0: Well, good morning. morning. Tom, I have to say, I'm um, a little envious. Uh, The last time I stood up uh, at the pulpit and people clapped for me like they did for you, uh, it's because I had told them that I was going to be gone for two weeks. So, I mean, I I really don't know what to make of that. But, okay, are we on? Can you hear me okay? So, obviously, hopefully, you, you can recall what we've been studying over the last several weeks. We've been talking about the The prepositions of God, God is, uh, God is above and uh, God is, help me out here, before and ahead of us, Ryan, thank you so much, I can't, you are listening, that is, that's awesome, that just, that warms my heart uh, just uh, a little bit, more than just a little bit, Uh, but this morning what we're going to be talking about um, is the fact that um, we're not going to be talking about prepositions. I know that's disheartening. I, I know you're upset. And I know one more thing. I brought up the bulletin, and this is not my notes. And so I'm going to need my notes, or this is going to be really short. Hurry. Gracie, bring my notes before they cut me off. See, there's the clap that I get. They're mocking me. Okay. So let's just start over. Okay, I'm gonna reset this clock. None of that counted. None of this this here we go again. Two weeks ago we began looking at the prepositions of God. And during that time we discussed that God is above and over, and as Ryan pointed out a second ago, that God is ahead and before. And before I jump into our next set of prepositions, I feel it necessary to I have to read this. Prepare you for to preemptively procure more propositions okay so more easily stated is this we interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring this important announcement that's something that we do understand you see before we can go on and talk about these next set of prepositions i need to set a foundation that i think is really Really important. However, I do want to keep the same format as we've had in the last few weeks, which means that we need to have dialogue from all of you as, as a reminder, though, um, I, 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 if you are one who likes to speak more, I encourage you this morning to speak a little less. And if you're a person who likes to speak a little less, I'm going to you to speak more. And so this morning to prove and even present my point, uh, I'm going to ask that you join me in a little game called Jump the Preacher. Okay, so first off, let me say this. I reserve the right to phone a friend, which means that if I get in trouble, I can ask the audience, you, to kind of help me out in this. Okay, so here's how the game is going to be played. It's very simple. I want you to name a person and we're going to start off in the Old Testament but I want you to name a Bible character in the Old Testament who you would believe their story is generally mainly about them and only them does that make sense so I want you to name a Bible character and say that story is really about them and and in our words I just want to say it's a person who is separate and apart From the people community around them okay Um, one additional caveat Uh, if you're going to mention a very obscure Bible character if somebody's gonna be like throw out like Mephibosheth okay if you're gonna do that you have to say how that person is an individual and not a part of a larger community so, I just want to make sure, if you're just going to throw out a crazy name that I can't pronounce and that we know little about, you're going to have to give a little background so we can try to fill in those blanks. So, I just want you to throw out an Old Testament Bible character, and we're going to talk about is that person basically an individual, or, as I want to argue, that they're really part of something larger than just themselves. Go for it. Haman. Haman. Did you say Haman? Okay, so he's a bad guy. So yeah, I will give you that. I will give you that he, because he's a bad guy, he is only concerned about himself. Uh, and it is largely going to affect him because there's going to be some gallows that get built by him that are going to be used for him. So, that's a good one. I was actually thinking of good Bible characters. I thought y'all would jump out with those, but there you go. I'm already stumped. It's over. I don't need my notes. We're done here. Can we stand and sing? Okay, so what's another name? Another individual? Samson. Okay, was Samson really all about himself? Did did he work outside the, the, the constraints of other people? Or is there something larger going on with the story of Samson? Okay, so what larger is going on? How can we argue that Samson, it's really not about himself? And we almost have to fast forward because really, most of his life, Harold, it does seem to be about himself. Right? The the, the fights that he... uh, Picks with the Philistines, we have Delilah, man, he is just messed up in the head over that gal. But then when it comes down to the very end, what happens? Yeah, he he brought the house down. He does something very, very unselfish in that he sacrifices himself for the good of his country and the good of his people. And so I would say that that really Samson is under understands, at least at the end, the importance of community and the people around him. Anybody else? Come on, you're going to have to help me here. Ruth, Ruth. okay. What about Ruth? How is is Ruth not just about herself? I mean, let's just start off with this. She chooses to hang out with her mother-in-law long after she is obligated to right i mean that says a whole lot about the fact that ruth understands the importance of community she had an opportunity naomi said go leave me and ruth says no wherever you go i'll go your people will be my people your god is my god she says we are in community we are in relationship let's go again hannah Okay, what's the story of Hannah? I mean, Hannah's a great one because, you know, she spends a lot of time praying and weeping, asking for a child. But then what happens when she gets the child? She offers that child up. She thinks very unselfishly. She recognizes that for the good of the people and for the glory of God, she is going to have to offer her child to to be a part of, of the priesthood. Y'all are not saying any of the names I thought you would say, but this is great. Like, I made a really long list of names. Like, I did my homework. I'm like, you say this name, I've got something ready. And right now, like, this is getting really hard. I'm sweating it a little bit. I don't know what's going to happen next. Name another person in the Old Testament. Abigail. Abigail. Okay, tell me why Abigail. Okay. Yes. But and 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 you're actually you're helping me out because you are so wonderful, Carolyn. Saint Carolyn, you are so wonderful. She does not work under with just the thought of what is best for Abigail. She realizes that it involves something far beyond that—a people and relationships. Bad. Yeah, and I love Jonah, and I just want you to know at least once a month. Lance makes fun of me because I always love talking about Jonah but I just want you to know you're the one who brought it up. But the story we think is really all about Jonah because Jonah is very selfish. But what's the whole story of Jonah really about? Loving people that you hate. Forgiving people who are your enemy. God specifically is calling Jonah into relationship with people he doesn't like that's what the story of jonah is it's not about a big fish it's not about a little worm it's not about a guy sitting up on a hill who's mad it's really about god saying i forgive people and i love people and you need to do the same he's calling people into relationship come on people you got to do better than this Rahab. Oh, wow. This is a really good one. And I. this is a tough one because it can go both ways with Rahab. Rahab is, um, according to some Old Testament scholars, they'll say that she was an innkeeper. But if you flip a few pages over and get to the New Testament, they call her what most people believe that she is. She's a prostitute. Right? And so she's there. She's in the town of, anybody remember? Starts with a J. Jericho right she's in there in Jericho and there's a couple of spies there anybody remember their names if I tell you Joshua what's the other one Caleb they go in and they spy out the land and Rahab takes them up there and she even hides them and protects them right and so in one sense you know she is being sort of selfish because she's like I'm I'm going to basically betray my own country But then what does she do beyond that? She makes a deal. She says, I'm going to protect you because I believe in your God. And she even goes so far to say, will you spare me, not only me, but also my family, everybody who's in this house. And so in that way, she's very selfish. And she does recognize that that the Israelites has something that, that she desperately wants, and that's to be able to serve the mighty Yahweh. Who else? How about about Adam? I'm just going to go down my list now. I want to talk a little bit about Adam. Is, Is Adam ever alone? He is. And God looks at him and what does he say? This is not good for this guy to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make a suitable helper. God says you need to be in community, in relationship. It's not just about you. Noah. Noah spent you know, a hundred years building a boat over 500 feet long, right? Is it really all about Noah? I, I wouldn't say so because he's the one that allowed mankind to continue on. How do we imagine that Noah was not alone? He was locked up in a boat for over 365 days, about 370 days, we reckon. How many times do you think his wife reminded him that they were stuck in that boat together because of him? Noah had to live in relationship with the seven other people who were on that boat and the numerous other animals. It wasn't just about Noah. Abraham, it's not about his story, it's about their story. You can hardly talk about Abram or Abraham without talking about Abraham and Sarah or Abraham and Lot or Abraham and Isaac. In each of those times, it's not just about he's the single patriarch. It's not about he is God's person. Abraham represents God's people. Okay? Isaac is another example of that. What happens when you try to focus on yourself, when you and your wife pick favorites, and that is a reminder that you can't just live in isolation and have just exactly what you want jacob he wrestles with his brother his father-in-law his two wives his 13 kids and an angel this ain't no one man show for jacob now now joseph seems like it could be a story all about him because he's the one person in the well And the one person who gets sent off into slavery into Egypt. And the one person who ends up down in jail. But really, what is the story of Joseph about? God taking care of his people. You know, I I really think it's about that reunion with him and his brothers and and god says this was never just about you in fact joseph would go so far to say that that it wasn't just about him he says what what you meant for harm god meant for good god allowed me to go through this so that as a people we could come together he had to be that archetypal Christ, in which he sacrificed for the good of others. We've talked about John. We, Elijah. Elijah's another one. Okay, he's, he's been fed by ravens. You know, he's, he's the one that, that faces off against the 400 prophets of Baal. He's the, the one person who outruns the chariot. He's the one person who ends up in the desert. And what does he say? In the desert. I want to die. And why does he say he wants to die? He says, I'm all alone. Ultimately, God is going to reveal Himself through this gentle whisper. And then what is God going to say? You're not alone. Like there's others out there. Don't forget that. Psalms they were prayers laments and praise set to music intended to be sung publicly by a group of people the prophets by very definition they are prophesying to a group of people so we've covered the old testament what about the new testament in 90 seconds the gospels are about a father a son and the love that they share to all of mankind good luck making the new testament about individual an individual it is all about God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, reaching out to all mankind. Which I think is really interesting too because even as we talk about who God is, it's not singular. Now this is a word that is kind of confusing because the concept we don't fully understand and we don't really like the word because it's not biblical and there's other religious groups that use this word so it makes us uncomfortable. But you talk about God, and you really have to talk about the Trinity. About God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Spirit, and how they continually are working together in relationship. Even God says it's not just about the individual. It is about relationship, it's about community. The letters were written to groups of people in the New Testament. The, the church in Corinth, the Corinthians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians. Well, what about Philemon? Well, Philemon is a church leader in Colossae whose slave named, anybody remember? Onesimus runs away. All of a sudden, Tychicus knocks on the door. I love that name. I just It's not important to say it, but I just want to say it again. Tychicus. Tychicus knocks on the door. He's the one delivering the letter. Philemon, we could guess, opens up the door. And in walks in Tychicus. He's holding a couple letters. One of them is the letter that we call Colossians. The other one is called Philemon. And right behind Tychicus is who? Onesimus. And I love the book of Philemon because Philemon says, Hey, your faith may be personal, but it is not private. In front of the whole church, Onesimus walks in and Tychicus is going to read this letter that says to Philemon, okay, this guy did wrong. He's a terrible person, but you're a Christian and he's now a brother. And it's not just about what you want or how how you feel or what you desire. It is about living in community. John's letters... If you don't love people, you can't love God. That's what John says. James says, you got to care for the widows, don't show favoritism, don't slander your brother and sister, and pray for other people. All throughout, from the very beginning of time, all the way throughout our Bible, we see over and over again that the Bible is not about an individual or separate individuals so i i kind of feel like i'm showing the zapruder film like i'm some kind of jfk expert right i just want to contest that it, it can't be just one person that that for all of us there has to be that that second person on the grassy knoll we were not called to live as individuals and i'm not trying to hurt your feeling but this book is not for you as a singular individual this book was written to and for communities and for people as as i wrote here this is the hymn book for y'all this is not for you as an individual now this is really a hard pill to swallow and a hard line to sell because the thing is is that we are in a country a culture society that is all about me or in your case it's all about you you we could trace this back years and years and we could go back and we could talk about where did this start before facebook Before automobiles, before Lynn, this nation entered into an age of individualism. I was so proud of that, and none of you enjoyed it as much as I did. Individualism is a person separated from everything by possessing his or her own needs, goals, and desires in comparison To other persons. And this started in the the 19th century in America. And it has only picked up steam. Over the last 200 years, our country has entrenched ourselves ever more deeply into believing that you, or in the case me, is more important than us. It has even infiltrated our churches. What do I want and what do I like? is what we often ask. What are my favorite songs? Who is my favorite preacher? Well, at least we all can agree on that one. (laughs) How long do I have to sit in church? Will class appeal to me? And because of that individualism, churches have started catering to individuals and their wants and desires. What is our response? We build coffee bars. We buy fog machines. And and we sing songs that just make the members smile and feel good about themselves. We speak of prosperity. We teach about happiness. And we never preach more than 30 minutes. Well, usually never. You see, somewhere we got this idea that that, we're, that this is really all about us. I was just talking to Lance about this, and I said, hey, I may need some help because I don't know what kind of questions I'm going to get asked. You may need to help me out. And we started talking about this, and he says, hey, here's something that, that is really important, and, and I love it. He's like, don't forget until we got this Bible leather-bound and on pages for over 1,000 years, 1,500 years, there was no such thing as personal Bible study. Think about it. Because you didn't own a Bible. Unless you were a scribe or a Pharisee that had access to it, if you wanted to study the Bible, it meant that you sat with a group of people. And I think God understood that at some point when this was going to happen, He says, I've got to plan and prepare so people don't think that all they have to do is sit at home and stare at this and ask the questions about what does this mean for me and how do I get what I want and how can I really be happy? Because He's going to say, I want you to get up early on Sunday morning. You get up when everybody else is sleeping when most of the world most of your culture says i get two saturdays in a row he says you get up and you get dressed and you make yourself presentable and you show up around other people and you encourage other people and you love other people and you join together with other people in what communion we we commune. we have this union together we come together We're not here to sing solos. We're not here to sit down and talk about what's best for you and what you want. This book is about y'all. This book is about us. This is about relationships. This is about community. And I really want to talk about how God is among us. But before we do that, I need you to understand that he is talking about prepositions, that he is among us, he is around us, is that it's talking about all of us. The people that you sit next to, the people on the other side of the auditorium, the people who don't like the songs that you like, or the politicians that you like, heaven forbid the people who don't like the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Chad. Right? That that He is among us as a people. This is not just an accident that God calls us together. He wants us to be in community. And so I want to encourage you as you grow in your Christian walk. Develop those relationships with the people around you. It's hard. We spent two years being told to stay away from people. But now I'm standing here and I'm telling you, get close to people. Build those relationships. And maybe it's not all 140 of us. But pick out five people. Ten people. I, you want to go biblical, pick 12 people. And say, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just give myself to twelve people. And I am just gonna be in community with them, and when we come together, you be with those those twelve people, and we together can glorify God. It's not about us, it's about the Lord Almighty and the love that he has for his people. This morning, I ask you to consider joining Jesus as we love all people. Tom, will you lead us as we stand and sing?